The Packers and Bears are renewing acquaintances for the 200th time in their very long shared history, and there's a lot on the line for both teams here late in the season. What more could you want? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdick. Happy to be with you here for another episode. And what an episode we've got for you today. Looking ahead to what's sure to be a very exciting game this weekend. And as I said up top, a lot at stake here for both the Bears and Packers. The Bears are still not technically out of the running for a playoff spot. They've got every incentive to try to win this game if only to make things difficult for the Packers, who are also trying to still lock down a playoff spot. Yes, the Packers have a much more straightforward path to the playoff than the Bears, but if the Packers stumble, a lot of doors start opening for the rest of the NFC. For the Vikings, for the Los Angeles Rams, and yes, even for the Chicago Bears. The Bears are pretty much, I think, exactly what they look like. They're a good defense, a little bit of an iffy offense, and they've got a 7-6 and six record as a result. So far this year, the Bears are 4-2 and two when they score more than 20 points. But when they score less than that amount, they are just 3-4 and four in 2019. And 3-4 and is a pretty good record when you're scoring less than 20 points in the NFL. The Packers this year are 1-2 and two when they score fewer than 20 points. So if that shows you anything about how, how difficult that can be. The Bears this year are almost exactly what their expected wins number indicates. We talked about that over the past couple weeks more regularly. Expected wins takes your point differential and and, uh, applies it to your schedule and basically comes up with how many games you should win. That number has the Bears pegged at winning 6.9 games this year and losing 6.1. In other words, 7-6. and We also tend to look at uh, games decided by 7 points or less as well. Uh, If you're way overachieving in that figure, as I've pointed out a couple times that the Packers have been or have been at times this year, chances are your record is maybe a little bit inflated. If you're 7-1 and and games decided by 7 or less, chances are you're going to come back to earth at some point. But the Bears aren't really like that this year. They're 5-3 and in games decided by 7 or less. It's slightly above 500, but not by much. All that to say again is that the Bears are exactly what they look like. And that could be a problem for the Packers because they have struggled against teams that have a very solid defense, and the Bears do. Let's start with the Bears' offense, though. Overall, it's iffy. That's not to say they can't score. That's not to say they can't be good. But the, the raw numbers don't look great, and the efficiency numbers don't look great. They're 26th in scoring this year, 28th in passing yards, 29th in rushing yards, 23rd in DVOA. Not great. Uh, 19th in passing by that figure, 26th in rushing. And the, the, the big takeaway here is DVOA adjusts for opponent. That's the first letter in that acronym. Defense adjusted value over average. So that's why I think they're pretty far down these rankings still, even with uh, a few big, uh, big wins for the Bears over the last three weeks or so. They've beaten the Giants, they've beaten the Lions, they've beaten the Dallas. Not exactly a murderer's row of defenses there, so maybe that's why they get dinged a little bit in that defense-adjusted ranking. At quarterback, you've got Mitchell Trubisky, and everybody's got a Trubisky take, so here is mine. Yes, he was taken second overall. Let's put that one to bed. We can make fun of the Bears for that. Yep, it, it hasn't worked out. He was not the quarterback they thought they were getting, taking him second overall, but they've got him. 
So what do you do with him now? Well, he's limited, but if the Bears can figure out a way to embrace and maximize limited Trubisky, I think he can still be a worthwhile piece. And the Bears have won a fair amount of games with him. Self-knowledge is super important in every part of life. It's especially important in the NFL as uh, for both players and coaches. You got to know who you are. And if you know who you are or what you are as a player, you can succeed. If you know what you can do, what you can't do, you can figure out a way to get stuff done. And at times, it has worked for the Bears and Trubisky. At times, not so much. There are some really ugly cut-ups of him out there, uh, just failing to do basic NFL quarterback-type things. But at times, he can also make some really, really pretty throws. So what do you do? Well, if you're in Chicago, hope for the best. If you're the Packers, you try to force him into the worst. Overall, his numbers do look worse than last year, I think. The number that really jumps out to me, or the numbers, a group of them, uh, point to a lot of shorter throws this year. But I have a hard time really correlating that to other numbers. So I, I just kind of want to throw that out there. It seems like he's throwing more short passes this year. The bottom line, though, is this on Trubisky. If the Bears get good Mitchell Trubisky, they'll be competitive in this game and probably in most games because that's how good their defense is. Even in week one, a good Mitch showed up for most of their last real drive until that decisive throw. And that game could have gone a lot differently uh, had he shown up more than once or had they been able to punch that, that deciding drive in. I think if you're the Bears, being in it until the last drive is a pretty good place to be. Would you rather just be ahead? Yeah, sure. But if as long as you're competitive and Mitchell Trubisky can help you stay competitive, you could be doing worse. And if they get good Trubisky that Sunday, they'll be in pretty good shape. At running back, the Bears have essentially a running back and a catching back. Obviously more than one running back, but essentially a back who runs and a back who catches. David Montgomery is your runner. He has 192 attempts on the ground this year. Derek Cohen has just 50. The big thing on Montgomery coming out of school was his ability to break tackles, and that's one of the reasons uh, I was I was interested in him because I think if you're if you can regularly just get through guys at whatever level, I think you have a chance to to be a successful player. Now there's some pushback on that on running to contact and and maybe not fitting in with scheme. I don't know. I don't want to go down that road, but my question is whether or not he's been able to carry over that ability to break tackles to the NFL. According to Sports Information Solutions, he has broken a tackle this year on just under 19% of his carries. He is averaging fewer than two yards after contact, 1.9 yards, uh, in fact, but that 19% number, will round up, is pretty solid. For comparison, Aaron Jones, according to the same source, is breaking tackles on just a shade over 20% of his carries. It's not that far off. Now, the difference here is Aaron Jones, uh, every time he's hit, he's getting more than a half yard more than Montgomery is per carry. He's averaging 2.5 yards after contact every time he carries the ball. But um, Montgomery has more or less translated what he did in college to the NFL. Aaron Jones is a, is a fairly elite tackle breaker. Montgomery is not necessarily that far behind. It's not clear if he's going to play this week. But that's something you should be aware of if he does. He has become a, a relatively decent runner so far this year. Derek Cohen, meanwhile, uh, is a big threat in the passing game. He's got 60 catches this year to Montgomery's 23, second on the Bears in receptions uh, behind just Allen Robinson. Weirdly, though, he's averaging almost half 
of what he did per catch last year. He averaged 10.2 yards per catch in 2018. This year he's down to just 5.5. That's weird. He had 49 catches uh, or 49 yards, excuse me, on eight catches against the Packers in week one. He was targeted 10 times. If they if they average 4.9 yards per target thrown to Tariq Cohen again, I think the Packers are in pretty good shape. Tight ends, we have barely anything to talk about here for the Bears because their top two are on the shelf with injuries. The third guy is in a, the concussion protocol and probably isn't going to play this weekend. They really don't have an active tight end that's been a par- big part of their offense, but it's hard to rule it out just because, well, that's how the Packers have been this year. Wide receivers are a different story. I love the Bears receivers, and I think I said as much heading into that first game of the season. Uh, Allen Robinson has been good since they signed him uh, when he was coming out of Jacksonville. I wish the Packers could have signed him. They were in on him. He decided to go with the Bears instead. Uh, Anthony Miller, wish the Packers could have drafted him. Cordero Patterson seems to score like four touchdowns in a year that almost nobody else in the league is capable of scoring, and he does it all kinds of different ways. Sure, he catches them, but he also does the end around jet sweep type stuff. He scores as a running back, lining up like in an eye formation, stuff like that. He scores like one a year on kickoff returns. I wanted him, and uh, it's, it's frustrating to see him doing well with the Bears. Taylor Gabriel's been a bit disappointing this year, but he is a really fast traditional slot guy, and if there's one thing the Packers could use, that would be near the top of my list uh, for wide receivers. Then you've got Riley Ridley. He's a project, maybe the one guy the Packers couldn't really use. But overall, this is an interesting group. They can attack you a lot of different ways. And uh, if if you've got good Trubisky, there's a lot to like there among those pass catchers. Their offensive line... Uh, 29th in adjusted line yards, not good from Football Outsiders, so they're not creating tons of opportunities for Montgomery or Cohen. They're 18th in sack rate, just a tad below average. They are 8th, though, in ESPN's pass block win rate, just 7% behind the Packers, who are at the top offensive line in the league in that number. Some injury concerns there, too, so a little bit hard to prognosticate. The one that you should know about, though, is Kyle Long, their best offensive lineman. He is on injured reserve. Switching to defense. The Bears' defense is not what it was last year, but that it, that's not a knock on this defense. Duplicating what they did last year would have been close to a miracle, and doing it without Vic Fangio, uh, with the, the increased injuries that you're going to get just from one year to the next, going from one year of almost unusual, close to miraculous health to just the next year in the NFL, you're going to get more injuries. And that's something to think about with the Packers, but that's a year away. Um it's just hard to maintain a super, super elite defense from one year to to the next. You need a lot of parts to make that happen. And chances are, if you're depending on those guys to be just available over the course of two seasons or three seasons, you're just not going to be able to do it. And the big loss this year for the Bears in terms of injuries has been Akeem Hicks. He's only played in four games this year, but boy, when he is on the field, it's a different animal for the Bears. Uh, Ray Nitschke had a great quote, um, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it here, but the, the essence of it was when it's when it's fourth and long or whatever, uh, I'll take the whiskey drinkers over the milk drinkers every time. Basically the tough, hard-nosed, lay-it-all-out-there type guys. Akeem Hicks is a, is a whiskey drinker. Uh, he's the sort of guy that you want on your defensive line, the tone setter, the guy who's just going to get out there and kick butt and take names every week. He's had at least 16, or he had, I should say, at least 16 quarterback hits each of the last three seasons. 
Then he's had some injury issues this year. He had been on injured reserve, but he's been designated to return by the Bears, and this week could be the week. The Packers are preparing as though he's going to play, so that probably should be our assumption as well. Even without Hicks, the Bears have been really good overall this year on defense. Fourth in points, 10th in yards, 7th in DVOA, and they're elite in in both ends of the the DVOA spectrum too. 7th against the pass, 11th against the run. That's pretty darn good. And a lot of it comes down to their pass rush. You, of course, know the big name in their pass rush. Outside linebacker, edge rusher, Khalil Mack. He's having a down year by his standards. Heavy, heavy air quotes here. Only seven and a half sacks. But do you think the Packers' offensive line cares? No, they do not. For They're just going to treat him exactly the same this week as they treat him each and every week. Just be extremely, extremely cautious. Uh, his production ratio, just 1.06. Again, a down year by his standards, but he is the top pass rusher on the Bears, with, uh, and he's the only one with the production ratio over one. He leads the Bears with 16.5 ball hawks, which shows that he is still affecting the game. So he's making sacks, 7.5, but he also has four passes defense this year and five forced fumbles. He's around the ball all the time, even if he's not recording those sacks. Also, as a linebacker, an edge rusher, whatever, you've got Leonard Floyd, the per- perpetual tease, a crazy athlete with an albatross-like wingspan, but he still does not seem to have put it all together here in year four. You've also, you also should note that Roquan Smith, the Bears' very good inside linebacker, is now on injured reserve, and he is definitively not going to play on Sunday. Moving to their defensive backfield, teams tend to get known for things. And I think most of the 20th century, the Bears have been known for getting their hands on the ball on defense. That stereotype is certainly true this year. They have a truly astonishing eight players with seven or more ball hawks this year. They're getting their hands on the ball a crazy amount. Cornerback Kyle Fuller leads the way with 15. He's having another good year. Prince of Mugamera has 11. It looks like he's probably not going to play this week. Uh, former All-Pro Eddie Jackson has 7. And ha-ha Clinton Dix, our old friend, also has 7. There's a few other names in there. Uh, those are the big ones you got to be aware of. Let's talk about ha-ha Clinton Dix as our player to watch this week. Is he playing better in Chicago? That's something that we saw from Bears fans again and again and again and again this offseason. Ah, he was just bad because the Packers had bad defenses. When he gets into a good defense, he's going to be better. There's some truth to that hypothesis. You can see where that thinking is coming from. But for me, the big knock on HaHa Clinton Dix always was twofold. First, it didn't seem like he was just all that interested in being in on that many plays. He ended up being barely targeted in the pass game as a result. That's why I think he always graded out super high on Pro Football Focus's numbers. He, when he was involved in plays, he was in the right spot and did the right thing. Their neutral or their normal grade for a plate is, is zero. A player is not getting marked up or marked down. When when Clinton Dix did decide to get did decide to get involved, he he did the right thing, but he was just involved so rarely that it didn't really matter. And then when he was involved, he took bad angles and missed a whole bunch of tackles in the run game and arrive just half a step late a lot of the time in the pass game. So have those things changed? What numbers can we look at to see if those things are changing at all? In the pass game, he's been targeted on just 36 passes so far this year. He was targeted on 39 last year combined between Green Bay and Washington. Opposing passers are completing 55% of those targets. That's down from 71.4% with the Packers in 2018. But 
uh, when you look at uh, sports information solutions deserved catch factor, uh, that factors in drops as well, that number goes up to 83%. Opposing offenses deserve to catch 83% of the time against HaHa Clinton Dix in 2019. That's more or less in line with his two full seasons in Green Bay. Last year in Green Bay, the games that he was there, the deserved catch rate against HaHa Clinton Dix was 100%. Every time you threw at HaHa Clinton Dix, you deserved to get a catch. Even the plays that he intercepted the ball your offense still should have come up with it. That's the haha Clinton Dix experience in Green Bay in a nutshell. Let's look at the run game, though. Uh, there was a piece on The Athletic this week about how he's really working to clean up his missed tackles. It's not working. Uh, he's missing 9.9% of the tackles that he attempts this year, according to Sports Information Solutions. He was at 14.7% in the pa- with the Packers in 2018. Throw that number out. That's just an outlier because the 9.9% tackle rate this year, missed tackle rate this year is actually worse than all but his rookie season in Green Bay. Don't look at the improvement from 18 to 19. Look at how he's played overall in his career. It's still a bad number. He's missing tackles just as frequently pretty much as he always was. Overall though, is he better? Some of the numbers look better in the passing game and that makes it really hard to say because he has been better in some significant ways than he was in 2018, but I thought in 18 he was actually pretty good overall for the Packers, though I am surprised to see that the numbers say that he wasn't. I thought that was one of his better years. He was off to a pretty decent start. I'm surprised to see that the stats liked him better in 15 and 16, though 15 was supposedly his really good season, so maybe just one guy's opinion and that guy happens to be wrong here. Overall, I think it's hard to say definitively that yes, he has been better in Chicago than he was in Green Bay or even in Washington. And I'm really trying to say that without having the Packers glasses on. If both teams are happy with what they did in their safety situation, sure, that's fine. The Packers got Adrian Amos. The Bears got HaHa Clinton Dix. And if they want to crow about paying him less than the Packers paid Adrian Amos, fine, sure, whatever. Just go ahead and do that. I, Whatever. You didn't have the built-in two or three years of resentment or him taking plays off or saying weird things about wanting a contract extension, whatever. It was time for the Packers and Aha Clinton Dix to part company. They did. And, uh, and now they've got a new safety back there and the bears have a new safety as well. What happened last time these two teams got together? The bears came into week one as the favorites, but the Packers pulled the 10, three upset despite a, absolutely atrocious outing from their offense. The Packers only had four drives of four or more plays that day. Uh, Their touchdown drive was only four, though, and it featured a 47-yard completion of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a very nice catch by Mercedes Lewis, and then a touchdown by Jimmy Graham on a free play. What I would not give for just one of those in pretty much any game the Packers have played recently. Here's what I asked after that game. The big questions. Well, the big question for me was what we could actually take away from that game. What were the conclusions we could draw from that 10-3 win? And I wasn't sure if we could take anything away. There were some issues with early season sloppiness. There was a lot of stuff talking, or a lot of a lot of commentator talk about the Packers not getting any reps for their starters in the preseason. I'm not sure that would have made any difference, honestly. A lot of the issues with the offense 
still kind of fell on Aaron Rodgers sliding back into some of those old bad Rodgers things. And that's still an issue here late in the season. And then you can't forget that Mitchell Trubisky was just pretty bad in week one, though he remains a scary player to play against. And I said that in week one, he's a high variance player. Sometimes he can be really bad. Sometimes he can be really good and you're never really sure what, uh, what Trubisky you're going to get. So what happens this time? I think, again, it comes down to the Packers' defense. I think the Packers' offense is going to take their lumps. It might be a little bit hard to get Aaron Jones going, and that pass rush and pass defense is pretty darn good. And I think, But I think they'll be able to do enough uh, to get the win in this one. And if the Packers' defense can be close to as good against Trubisky as they were in Week 1, I think this is going to be a Packers' win. The Bears were utterly befuddled by the Packers' defense, utterly stymied until very late. They did not convert a third down in that game until their second to last drive of the game, the one with the Trubisky pick. That was the first time they converted a third down. If the Packers can get close to that again, it's going to be another win. I think the Bears move the ball a little bit better, but I think the Packers do just enough to come away with a 24-20 to win in this one. So I've got for you on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate everybody who takes the time to download one of our episodes and listen in. If you want to support us, leave us a rating or review in the podcast listening app of your choice. Check out the one you're using right now. See if you have an opportunity to to leave us a rating that does help more people find the show. Taking your support to the next level starts with checking us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash ThePowerSweep. Donating at least a dollar a month helps offset some of our hosting costs and keeps us producing this content that you know and love both here and on thepowersweep.com. Checkouts are t-shirts and sweatshirts as well by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. You can always just choose to reach out and say hi or ask a question or whatever. I've had some great conversations with listeners recently. I love to keep those going. It keeps things fun during the week. So don't hesitate to reach out because I always say if if you've got a question, chances are somebody else has that same question too. So don't hesitate. Reach out. Share what's on your mind, uh, because doing so is going to give us an opportunity to respond, and that furthers our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.